As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, Chelsea win a game. Convincingly, Raheem Sterling is back. Nicholas Jackson's off the mark. Romelu Lukaku might soon be off the books. All is well, essentially. Available for free wherever you get your podcast. And ad free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Here we go then, listener. Back for another week in the world of Chelsea FC. What was more incongruous this weekend? I wonder that Kerry Dixon half-time appearance on Friday night or Mark Kukurea being linked with a loan to Manchester United. Uh, we'll discuss those and many more things as we go on here. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined by two of the Athletics' finest. It might be a bank holiday here in the UK, but the fact that Chelsea actually won a game meant that people were lining up to talk about it today. Hello, Liam Toomey. Hello. I'm just basking in the feeling of being a, a Premier League top half club podcast again. Incredible scenes. Uh, Simon Johnson, how have you spent your weekend celebrating? It's so good, isn't it, when you play on Friday and win? It just like it takes the pressure off the entirety of the uh, rest of the weekend. Well, apart from spending all day, one of those days, writing a piece about Raheem Sterling, um, yeah, I had a wonderful time. And you missed the positive off your list, although you inferred it. There's only a few more days left of this uh, transfer window, which may be fun for the fans, but... Um, Frost journos, it makes you lose even more hair that you haven't got. Yeah, and it is going to absolutely destroy our Thursday record. I'm certain of that and make most of it totally uh, unusable. But yeah, we'll worry about that on Thursday. We're celebrating today because Chelsea beat Luton Town by three goals to nil. That's what we're going to talk about first. Sterling. It's Sterling. Happy with the performance, solid performance. Happy for the for our fans and for the player and for all the people that work around. That is important to build the confidence for all of us and, and to create this good energy in between the fans and the and the player always is important. 
Yes, it was only Luton, but when it's just your second win in 17 games in all competitions, I think there is cause for commemoration. Uh, Liam and I were at the bridge on Friday night. Liam, just one change again to the lineup with Caicedo coming in for the injured Chuck Wimeker. I'm, I'm quite enjoying this. Just one change to the Chelsea lineup line that I've trotted out a few times this season after what we saw under Graham Potter. Yeah, we're going back slowly to knowing what Chelsea's strongest team is in the mind of the coach. We still might not immediately know the formation when we see the team, although I, I do think that that's going to be more consistent under Pochettino as well. We're just getting used to the way Chelsea are setting up under him now. But this has been his pattern at previous clubs. He doesn't rotate a ton, probably rotates still a little bit more than someone like Antonio Conte who won the league with about 13 players uh, in 2016-17. But I think he likes to have a consistent core of players and then have the rest of the squad pushing them in training for their places. And then when it gets to the Christmas run, uh, which is obviously still a bit of a way off, Pochettino does have a reputation at that stage for rotating a little bit more. And Chelsea will need that at some point because they don't want to get to March and April and be just blowing out of their proverbials physically. At the moment, they look in great shape and confidence-wise, they look in a good place and that will only be improved by the Luton result. Lots of outstanding performances from front to back, albeit we've, we've got to temper it, I guess, with the uh, the quality of the opposition. But no doubt who the star of the show was. It was Raheem Sterling and he was very honest in his post-match assessment of his Chelsea career thus far when he spoke to Sky. We can hear a little bit of that now. It was, i say, a bit of frustration from last season for myself personally, because I felt like I was always coming with my back to goal. A bit deep. A bit deep, and I wasn't giving myself enough chance to get towards the box. And I had a conversation with the, the gaffer earlier last week, and we've, we've gone through the role, and I know exactly what he needs from me, and it's as simple as that. I need to get on the, the back foot and do what I do and, and drive at players and, and get on it, and that's when I'm most effective. Mindset-wise, has that changed for you a little bit after a difficult start here at Chelsea? Yeah, mindset-wise, um, as I said, I came in a difficult difficult period. Excuses, that's all all finished. Um, and I think the most important thing, I've had a look, look at myself and I'm a person that always tries to analyse what I've been doing, what I've done wrong, what I can change. And it's as simple as that. I, I want to get back to being obsessed with football. And it's as simple as that, just football 24-7 and nothing else and focus on top performance and goals and assists. That conversation you had with Maurizio Pochettino about sort of going wider and maybe sort of playing a little bit differently, was that something where you actually went to him and instigated it? Yeah, um, as I said in the first game against Liverpool, I felt, you know, I was inside the pocket a bit too much and that was my feeling all last season was I was too deep and I'm playing the ball to the fullbacks and, um, you know, we had a simple conversation and he said, Raheem, it doesn't matter where you play, if you, if you apply it and you're dynamic, you're aggressive, you, no one can stop you and it doesn't matter if you're left, right, centre, in the middle. Just be uh, aggressive with the ball when you get in the pocket outside wide. And, you know, I've, I've got that, that desire and hunger to, 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 to do that. Uh, Simon, he was the subject of your latest piece for The Athletic. It was uh, not just based on Friday, was it? It was a while in the making this about how he's changed his diet and, and basically trying to kickstart his Chelsea career, which it looks as though he's, he's having some success in doing at the start of the new season. Yeah, I, I actually started working on it before the game. I'd started speaking to people because they'd already shown some um, green shoots of recovery. I thought he played quite well against Liverpool, although very interesting how how he spoke to Pochettino after that in the week after that game. 
saying he still wasn't happy in the nicest possible way of how he was getting used and, and where he was finding himself on the pitch. And and that relationship, I think, has been important. But I, I think the biggest sort of misnomer about Raheem Sterling, and I understand, I think the criticism has been fair, and he certainly, as the interview implied, you know, he's certainly not blind to the fact he hasn't been good enough since he joined Chelsea. But I think that the biggest misnomer about him is that he doesn't care that he's come to Chelsea as some sort of retirement village and sort of delightfully picking up his weekly salary. Last season was a disaster for the vast majority of players, and, and rightly so, he came under a lot of scrutiny for that, coming on such a big transfer fee, the wages he's on, etc. But it wasn't like he was skipping and dancing and uh, chilling out um, and enjoying this fact. And like, he picked up a hamstring injury against Manchester City in the first home game of the year. It was an injury that he struggled to recover from. And he and he, he sort of realised that, he, like, what can I do to improve this? What's going wrong? He, he, so he, he, he turned to his diet. He tried going vegan. This is what I explained in the piece and, and various other things. And then he ended up going to the club and saying, something isn't right. I feel heavy. Now, I wish I felt as heavy as him, looking like he does, because you couldn't say that he, he looked like some big old bloater like me, you know, that he was actually, um, stop laughing, Lucy. So he was actually, he's actually still looking in great shape. But, you know, an athlete knows when something isn't isn't quite right. And he ended up being, um, the club gave him a nutritionist to work with. And, and that is one of the factors that has sort of led to this new Raheem Sterling. But I think there's other things involved, you know, Obviously, he's working hard on his on his figure. I think the relationship with Pochettino, as I've already said, is is key. The way Pochettino is working them in in training, he just feels fitter, brighter. Plus, for the first time, probably since he's played at Chelsea, he's played three games in a row in the same position. And touching on the what you've already discussed, guys, the fact the team itself has also been pretty much the same around him. It allows relationships, understandings to develop and who would have thought it that that's the key to a team looking quite comfortable with each other when you play a consistent side the two things that struck me about sterling in that interview were his self-awareness and his strength of character and i think for a long time i've i've thought he's one of the most impressive people in english football just in the way that he's dealt with so much scrutiny since he was 16, 17, always played for massive clubs, had so much criticism, fair, unfair, some of it downright scandalous. And not only withstood all of that and been remarkably consistent, if you look at his production, I think maybe with the exception of his final season at Man City, where things were clearly going a bit sour there. And he's he's always been honest with himself about his performances and how he can improve and you don't you don't stay at that level without those attributes and i think the stuff that simon highlighted in his piece just really underlines what a good character chelsea have got in this squad and i know there were doubts about sterling internally going into this season at chelsea about his performance but i don't think there's any, ever been any doubts about his character and his and his personality his ability to be a good influence at the club and he's now second only to Thiago Silva in terms of age and experience. I think he's really well set up as long as he maintains this attitude of, um, 
you know, keeping himself as physically well prepared as possible. And there's no reason to think he won't. Personality wise, he's got everything he needs to be a really positive elder statesman at Chelsea. The one thing I, I wasn't aware of that he'd said in a pre-season sort of media day, not that I hope to be top scorer this season, he was basically saying, I will be top scorer this season. I mean, that that's a sign of a, a confident guy that also feels he's back to the level he was at Man City, where he was scoring predominantly, you know, for most of the time he was there, a ridiculous amount of goals. And, and if... We talked, didn't we, after the Liverpool game, that the worry about who's going to get Chelsea's goals as good as Jackson started. Well, Raheem Sterling is someone we didn't talk about, I don't think. And, of course, he is a great goal outlet if he can get in the best positions that we've seen throughout most of his career. And he certainly did that on Friday night. I mean, the that was the funny thing, wasn't it, is that in that interview, he himself took sort of went, hang on a minute, I'm not in the position I want to be here to cause cause the kind of threats I want. And he himself sort of corrected that and went out wider, which led to, um, at one point, obviously that incredible dribble to cut inside and score. And then his second goal was was superbly taken. Nice little understanding developing with Gusto, it seems. And I love the third goal. I know he got a bit lucky with the, with the assist. You know, there was a deflection as well, but just the build-up of that goal for Jackson was was great. So... It's only three games, you know, it's always that caveat of going overly positive because, you know, he goes and has a stinker on Saturday or has an injury or heaven forbid. But the signs are very promising. You can definitely see the progress he's made. Presumably when he made that goal pledge, he wasn't thinking, I only have seven penalties to beat this season <laughs> to, to earn yeah. that status at Chelsea. It's very true, actually. He's probably it's not much of a standard to set, is there? Yeah, to break. Uh, yeah, let's hope he can stay fit. Last season was uh, the first since 2017 that he hadn't reached double figures for goals in the Premier League. Uh, right, we've had some tweets or X's, which is still doesn't sound right at all, uh, from people wanting to talk about the game. At SO Cobham Pod is the place to go to get in touch with us if you want to. I'll put this to you, Liam. Sam wants to know, why is Poch insisting on this Chilwell as a left-winger experiment? Good win shouldn't hide the fact that we need more forwards on the pitch and players back in their normal positions, i.e. Chilwell left-back, Colwell left-centre-back. Is this something that, that Pochettino wants to do going forward or is this just a consequence of the amount of injuries that Chelsea have got? I don't think he'd be doing it if Christopher Nkunku was fit because I think Nkunku would have that spot. But as things stand, it's probably not the biggest vote of confidence in Mikhailo Mudrik right now. He wants someone on that left-hand side to really hold the width, to threaten him behind. It's quite interesting, actually, because with Chilwell and Sterling, obviously they're very different types of of wide player, but he's the inverted wingers are gone from Chelsea at the moment. It's left footers on the left, right footers on the right uh, under Pochettino. But he that's what he wants Chilwell to provide. And I think he sees his legs and his ability to to get up and down. He sees that as best served operating higher up the pitch where he can really threaten the last line of defence without compromising the defensive structure of the team. And it also gives Chelsea a little bit of formation flexibility where if you look at them sometimes on the pitch, as we've discussed, sometimes it looks like a back three, 
Sometimes it looks like a back four with Colwell left back, Gusto right and, and Chilwell way up the pitch. Um, so it gives them a little bit of fluidity to switch formations in game as well. But I, I, I do think once Nkunku comes back, once everyone's fit, I do expect it to be a front three of Nkunku, Jackson and Sterling. And I'm very excited to see how that works. Yeah, hat tip to Nicholas Jackson for getting his first Chelsea goal. Moises Caicedo's full debut passed off pretty much without incident. But Simon, what I want to know is how on earth is Reese James going to get back in this team when he's fit? Because Malo Gusto, two assists for him. You mentioned the link up with Sterling. He looks like a really good addition. He's likely to get a lot of minutes, right? Just based on what we know about uh, James's injury history. Well, it's one of the reasons he was signed, you know, that Chelsea are aware of, of, Reese's struggle to play week in, week out. Um, they wanted a stronger right back first as cover, but also to to push Reese James, you know, that that even as captain now, if there was even a degree of complacency, that uh Reese James would know, well, hang on, there, there's genuine competition for my place. And he was there at Stanford Bridge alongside Todd Bowley in the VIP box. He must have been watching it. A little bit through gritted teeth because he's sort of one because he wants to be out there on the pitch, obviously, rather than sitting with Todd. But secondly, he'll be watching Gustav going, All right, okay, this this guy this guy's getting good. But it could be seen as a, a bit of a blessing in disguise because it's never a good thing when Reese James is is injured. But you would have wondered, okay, when's Gusto gonna get his minutes if Reese James was playing? Because he's always gonna be first choice, I think his captain so that inevitably makes him first choice also also he is the better player I think we have to when fully fit between the two they are you know, Reese James is the better player but yeah if Reese James was fully fit now you'd be sort of thinking oh Gusto might get a chance against AFC Wimbledon and then maybe the next League Cup game and maybe or oh, Reese has played six out of seven games or perhaps he's approaching the, the red zone or whatever and then put him in uh, instead, he's he's, he's going to get a, a regular run in the side now for the next few weeks. And he's certainly taking his opportunity. I, I thought West Ham, he showed a little bit of rawness, but he was definitely better against Luton. Again, perhaps that's the standard of opposition too. But um, no, good signing. And um, I think that's very reassuring for Chelsea that they've got two two really good right-backs to call upon. All right, that was Luton then. Next up for the Blues, it's AFC Wimbledon in the League Cup. We'll talk about that later. Next on our agenda, though, is transfer business. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
So we are into the final week of the transfer window and Chelsea are still getting deals done. They've signed goalkeeper Jordi Petrovic from MLS side New England Revolution. The 23-year-old joins for a fee of £13.6 million, plus a bit more in add-ons. It's a seven-year contract with the option of a further year, as is the style at the time. He's been capped a couple of times by Serbia. Callum wants to know, are the combination of Sanchez and Petrovic seen as Chelsea's long-term goalkeeping solution? Simon, I'll add to that. Uh, which one's seen as the number one? Still Sanchez, presumably. Yeah, still Sanchez. But let's see, basically, you know, as time develops. But but Sanchez, I think, is, you know, he's given the number one shirt. I think it's quite important that he's got Ben Roberts there as a key ally in the camp, uh, the, the goalkeeping coach, um, who would have played a big part in him coming to the club. But... Again, a bit like the, the Reese James Gusto situation, I think this is going to be a competitive situation. It's not going to be a complete number one, distant number two. I think they want the two to, to drive each other on to a better standard. If you ask Kevin Hitchcock, a name older Chelsea fans will recognise, and Petrovic's goalkeeping coach at New England Revolution, Sanchez is only keeping that spot warm. He's very, very confident, as you might imagine, given how much he's worked with with Petrovic, that he will develop very quickly at Chelsea. And if he's given the chance, he will take that spot and hold it for a long time. It, what I find quite interesting is both goalkeepers are a similar sort of profile, very, very different to Kepa. 6'3", six, 6'4", six, big wingspans. Uh, there's a real emphasis on them you know, commanding their penalty area. And Hitchcock thinks that Petrovic is 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 pretty good with his feet as well, uh, which is obviously going to be very important for any goalkeeper that wants to get in this Chelsea team and stay there. So I don't think he's going to be able to do it from day one because he's 23 and he's gone from the Serbian league to the Premier League in 14 months. But as Simon says, I, I do think in the medium to long term, it will be a genuine battle. Listener, I think that Liam looks a little bit like a young Kevin Hitchcock, maybe you agree with me at Pod. <laughs> if you do. Uh, Liam, while we're talking incomings, James wants to know, is there going to be a surprise transfer incoming-wise? Pochettino's kind of hinted that he wants another attacking player. Do we have any any names to, um, to muse upon in that regard? Or is there anywhere else you think they might be strengthening this week? Just to say, I used to get Thibaut Courtois from people as well uh, obviously not in terms of physical dimensions but just facial resemblance uh, so I don't know maybe I'll occupy the middle ground um, it's Chelsea can never rule out a surprise transfer I think Simon and I are going into the next week with a very open mind <laughs> in terms of what might happen because we've regularly been told this is the plan I mean before this window we were told the spending is going to slow down <laughs> And instead, they've they've spent more in terms of raw transfer fees, not net, as everyone at Chelsea is keen to remind you, than ever before. They do want an attacker, as Pochettino has repeatedly said, but I think not a number nine. They want someone who can ideally play across the attacking line or maybe as a number 10, as an attacking midfielder. And I think there are a few different names on the list. A lot of them are out there in some form or other, but I, w- I wouldn't rule out someone that we haven't heard of or heard too much about ending up being the one they go for. I think they probably will go for someone, 
because Chelsea generally do. When they have their list, they end up going for one name and getting a deal over the line. But I, th- I think that's that's probably the only first team deal they do. I mean, goodness knows how many teenagers from South America they might sign in the next week. All bets are off on that. I think it was the last pod I was on last Monday. I think we were talking about Brennan Johnson. And then funnily enough, I spoke spoke to someone soon after that who went, yeah, steer away from that one. I think so that one's gone a bit cold, probably partly because of the fee. I think 50 million quid is what's being talked about all of a sudden. Chelsea was prepared to spend around 35 on Elise. So it may be money related a little bit. It looks like he's off the Spurs instead. But yeah, it doesn't look like that that Forest player is coming, Matt, so you won't get to see him on a regular basis. Don't go to Spurs. Come on, Brennan, you're better than that. Uh, All right, we'll see. Let's talk about some outgoing. Simon, Mark Kukurea to Man United on loan. Uh, This caused me to do a spit take when I had a sip of my morning coffee. This can't really be a thing, can it? I know you'd get the wages off the book, but do you want to be loaning somebody to another Premier League club, even if they have been pretty disappointing so far? Well, you can say that they set the precedent already with Lewis Hall. I know it's a, a loan with a pretty much an obligation to buy, and that was an FFP sort of swerve. But I, I don't think the Chelsea owners care, unlike the previous hierarchy, who were a little bit reluctant to sell players to rivals and will certainly make it difficult unless it was in their interest, unless they thought, well, these guys are past their prime and and we're quite happy with that. Let's um, sort of flag, for example, David Luiz and Petr to Arsenal as examples, Galas as well, and so on and so forth. William, anyone to Arsenal, basically. Well, William, <laughs> William was his own choice, to be fair. He he turned down Chelsea's offer of a two-year deal for a three-year deal and regretted it within about five minutes. Ended up paying to leave, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of got there and went, started messaging his old teammates going, uh, <laughs> allegedly. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back to um, the guy that's got more hair than me, Mark Cucurella. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Look, the guy is barely going to get a kick at Chelsea. Luke Shaw has got a serious injury. Um, he's going to be out for months. Yes, Chelsea are in a battle with, with Man United, potentially for Champions League football, but I don't get the feeling that Chelsea fans are really that upset at the prospect of Cucurella joining them. I hesitate to say what's on my mind. They probably thought, think it might help Chelsea's chances, but that would be cruel. That would be cruel to um, to have a dig at Cucurella. And if you're Chelsea, you're now sort of stuck with him. You know, this is the problem with handing out long-term deals. They're not going to get their money back anywhere close to it. So what is your best chance of getting a decent fee for him if you end up selling him? It's seeing him play regularly. And if he does well at Man United... He either comes back at Chelsea and is is rejuvenated and becomes a Chelsea asset or the chances of uh, selling him on and getting a decent fee for him increases. So I see it as a bit of a win-win, although if he scores at Stamford Bridge, no, he wouldn't play against Chelsea, of course. If he scores in, a, in the final game of the season to beat Chelsea at Champions League, then come back to me and I'll, I'll just say that. What a stupid decision that was. <laughs> Um, speaking of expensive flops who proved difficult to shift, Liam, Romelu Lukaku, Jose Mourinho might be doing us a favour by taking him to Roma. Rumours that there were Roma representatives at the game on Friday night. What, what's the latest on this as we record half 11 on Monday morning? 
Well, it does. It does look like Roma is the likely destination, and it is in everyone's interests, I think, to get this over the line at this point because the alternative options have disappeared. Oh, go on, Simon. I've just heard breaking news. Breaking news. He's now flirting with Lazio. He's now flirting with Lazio. I can confirm. <laughs> Sorry, tongue in cheek. Carry on, Liam. Couldn't resist. <laughs> Well, I think he might well have been spam calling Italian clubs for the last two weeks. But we, you know, we know there's the previous connection there, Mourinho and Lukaku. Roma have a need with Tammy Abraham's long-term injury. Lukaku replacing Tammy Abraham again is quite a storyline. It's not gone well with Mourinho and Lukaku in the past, though, has it? There's a connection there, but he, he basically binned him off at Chelsea because he missed a penalty in the Super Cup, didn't he? So it's it's not like they've got a long history of a, a fruitful relationship. Yeah, but then he had him at Manchester United when they finished second, which was, if you ask Jose Mourinho, the greatest achievement <laughs> of his career. So I think there are, those good memories outweigh that rocky start at Chelsea. Yeah, Roma have a need. They're one of the few clubs that have a need for Lukaku and a desire to come some way financially to meet Chelsea, although not on a permanent transfer. It now looks like Chelsea probably overplayed their hand when they were holding out for a higher fee from Inter earlier in the summer and trying to generate this bidding war between Inter and Juve that never materialised. And instead, he's going to be going out on another... Loss-making but face-saving loan for a season that just gets his wages off the books and parks the problem for another 12 months when, incredibly, he will still have two years remaining on the contract that he signed uh, when he joined Chelsea in that £97.5 million deal. Wow. Uh, Simon, Andre Santos, everybody wanted him. Chelsea wanted to make sure that he went to a club of outstanding moral fibre as well as rich history and tradition. So he's joined fellow two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest. There, there was a bit of a scrap for him, right? This is um, this is an interesting one in terms of where he's landed. Were they keen to, to keep him in the Premier League? Yeah, and I think they actually turned down bids for him as well, um, permanent bids, which is remarkable. <laughs> he's basically not, not played for the club. But that that's a sign of the impact he's made, not just Vasco da Gama, but of course at the Under-20 World Cup for Brazil. And he looked very good in pre-season, but the pathway is blocked. I think this this podcast should almost come in association with the word pathway, um, which has sort of almost become a drinking game. Pure profit, pathway, pure profit, fighting head-to-head <laughs> yeah, for the most used phrase. And Romelu Lukaku. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, but no, yes, they wanted they wanted him to play in the Premier League. They want to see how he gets on, and let's hope he gets the minutes because you, you, you're always worried about these loans that that happen, and and you sort of see on a regular basis players on the bench. As I noticed, for example, to to name a couple of the youngsters, Amari Hutchison is consistently on the bench at Ipswich. They've had a very good start, um, although they lost at the weekend. So it's hard for him to get in the team. Harvey Vale, Bristol Rovers, scored his first goal. You're probably going to mention it later, Matt, but has been on the bench since been been there. You know, hopefully he gets a gets a run out. So it's very important that, that he plays. And I was sort of more interested in your take, Matt. Like whether you think that there's there's room for him in in the Forest starting eleven. 
Yeah, one would think that he is uh, likely to take the place of either RL Mangala or Remo Freuler. Freuler looks like he might be on his way, but he might have to work a, a little bit like um, Danilo Similar came from Brazilian football in January and was put in the, the team for a little bit and then spent a long time out of it as he sort of adapted to English football. So I don't think he's a nailed on starter. Uh, he's obviously not going to feature next weekend when Forrest go to Stamford Bridge, but he think that he'd be sort of slowly integrated and probably by November, December, he'll be a regular in the team, all being well. And what about Hudson Adoy to Forrest, Simon? This this one looked as though it was pretty much over the line at the end of last week. Seems to have gone a bit quiet since then. Do you have a latest? Just the conversations that I'd had around it was that it wasn't as far along as was said at the time, which was on Friday. It's very complex. I think it involves not just the transfer fee, but I think there's an element of he's got one year left on a very big contract at Chelsea and whether there's sort of some form of deal to be had there, you know, to essentially leave. But it, it sounds very political, quite fractured. I think there's a lot of frustration. You know, I just hope this move, wherever he ends up, I hope he gets his move and he gets back to playing on a regular basis. I, I, I'm just, maybe Liam said this the other day, I'm just incredulous that he hasn't been bought by now. It's an absolute bargain. You're basically going to get a, a 22-year-old international. Yes, it, it's not gone um, swimmingly, but you're getting a 22-year-old who's played for England for well, less than 10 million quid. It's, it's an absolute steal. And, you know, who only 18 months ago was crossing for Lukaku in the FIFA Club World Cup final. You know, so I think a move will happen, but it doesn't seem like the most uh, harmonious part of the ways. Yeah, sad story. All right, there'll be uh, updates to all those, I should imagine, in Thursday's pod, but we'll get back to talking about matters on the pitch next as we look ahead to Wednesday's game against AFC Wimbledon. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the first ever meeting between Chelsea and AFC Wimbledon in their current guise on Wednesday. Uh, the Blues have reached at least round four of the League Cup in 11 of the last 12 seasons. Last term, 
was the exception. Uh, here's Andrew, who writes, with seven injuries, Lavia not match fit and the need to protect the limited pool of first-team starters. How young will we go versus AFC Wimbledon? Time for the latest edition of Simon and Liam picking an 11 ahead of an interesting game. Interesting, actually, Liam, to see who you're picking in goal for this one. Ed, you might as well stick with Sanchez as you kind of bed him into the team. I've gone for Petrovic just to to appease Kevin Hitchcock, really. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I, you know, yes, he, he he's not going to have the chemistry with with the players in front of him after only a few days training, but and that's always going to be the case. I think with a goalkeeper specifically, it's less of a risk that he'll just like tear a hamstring or something because he's, <laughs> I think the, the conditioning element, obviously goalkeepers have to be fit, but I think it's, it's, it's a different position. I think it's more feasible to come straight in and play 90 minutes. So I've got him in there. Do you, do you want me to take you through my team? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I've gone young, but not, I don't think I've gone too young. Um, sticking with the the four two three one, that maybe becomes a three box three if you look at it in a certain light uh, f- from a certain angle. Malagusto right back because who else is there? Maybe check how he's doing physically, but I'd be inclined to keep him there. Centre back. I'm running on the assumption that Badiashiel is not quite ready yet. Maybe he's ready for the bench but not necessarily to come straight into the team so I've gone for Bashir Humphreys who is interestingly still around despite the fact that he's not playing and I've used this as an opportunity to give Levi Colwell an actual run at centre-back rather than left-back which is what he's been playing so far I've also got in brackets Alfie Gilchrist because he was on the pre-season tour I think this might be one for him to be on the bench. And if you're looking to maybe limit Levi Colwell's minutes, you've got the game in hand in the second half, he can come on. So I'm giving you subs as well, Matt. That's <laughs> that's what I'm doing here. Ian Matson left back. I think it's a good opportunity to see what he looks like as a potential alternative to a Chilwell, given that he, he didn't play a minute at left back in pre-season. It might be quite good to see him there. Midfield's a funny one because of Lavia. And when Pochettino spoke about him just before the Luton game, it sounded like he was weeks away. Not because of an injury, but because of conditioning. But I still wonder if if he might be involved from the bench against Wimbledon, just getting 15, 20 minutes maybe. But Leslie Okachukwu is obviously primed to start. He's been the 12th man in a couple of these games, first sub off the bench. And Conor Gallagher, because he never gets tired uh, and you need to rest Enzo. And then the the three behind the striker, Noni Madueki needs the minutes on the right. Mikhailo Mudrik off the left. It doesn't sound like the minor injury that Pochettino said he had prior to Luton will keep him out of this game. So he definitely needs some reps. And if he can get a goal, even better. And then between those two, I, I have a feeling Simon might have gone a similar way. Um, this could be a good opportunity for Leo Castledine. To be promoted from from the dev squad, particularly against his old man's old club, yeah, <laughs> uh, where Stewart played in the Premier League. Um, I think I just think it could be a, a good opportunity to to see him in a senior setting, surrounded by some senior players, and just see how he adapts to it because he's clearly got a lot of talent. 
He's still very young, but if cup games aren't for this, what are they for? Uh, and then up front, I think, again, working on the assumption that Armando Breuer is not quite ready. He's been around it. He's been involved. He's already had Premier League minutes. Mason Burstow, give him a start, see what he can do. Okay, so that is a 4-2-3-1. Petrovic, Gusto, Humphreys, Colwell, Martin, uh, Ugachukwe and Gallagher, Madweke, Castledine, Mudrick and Burstow. You got much difference to that, Simon? Not really. In goal, I've gone with Sanchez. I, I think it's important, um, basically, for exactly how you led the question, Matt. I, I, he doesn't look settled to me. Yeah, I just think the more game time, the better at the moment for him. Like the next round, I think, is when you can sort of, well, assuming they win, of course, I think the next round, then you sort of look at changing it. But I just think he needs to, uh, it will help settle him in a bit more playing Forest. The one year is round the corner. Here he comes with his seven game streak. I want Sanchez to be game ready for that. Back four is exactly the same. Midfield two, and I've done with the same formation too. Midfield, I've gone with uh, Casado for a similar reason to um, Sanchez, actually. I, I just think minutes, he needs minutes. Um, obviously, didn't have the best preset. You can always bring him off after an hour or so, hopefully, again, if if Chelsea are, are winning. The three in front, would you believe I didn't go Castle Dine? I did think about it. I did think about it. But I've gone with Marrera. On the bench on Friday, wasn't he? I just think, just sort of reading between the lines, they do like him. Has he played much as a number 10, though, Marrera? <laughs> yeah, but I just, just don't don't <laughs> complicate things, Liam. I'll put him in there because I've got Mad Wacky on the right and Mudrick on the left. Um, so I just shoehorned him in. I just went, yeah, he'll play as a 10. And Burstow up front. But um, but I'd love it if, if Castle Dine plays, I have to say. I think it'd be fantastic. I've only been to one under-21s game so far. He was magnificent. All the chat around him before that, going into that game, the way he's been playing in pre-season and stuff was really good. But he's gone on to another level. I really liked seeing him last season. I uh, wrote a piece about him uh, as well. But um, but yeah, it'd be a, a great occasion for him and his family if he, if he does. Even if he comes off the bench, it would be. I would love to see that. And I would imagine the bench will be filled with quite a lot of under-21s, I'd imagine. So it could be a great occasion for them, but not as much a great occasion it is for club secretary, Dave Barnard, who, uh, for him, it's it's going to be a flip of a coin who he wants to win because his heart will probably say AFC, but his head, his employers, <laughs> and the prospect of, of Chelsea needing to win a trophy, etc. he'll be thinking Chelsea in his head. No mention in either of our teams for Malang Sarr. Malang Sarr? <laughs> Who's Malang Sarr? Honestly, I did think about it. I genuinely did think about it. And I just went, no, that would be ridiculous. Pochettino will have to be introduced to him first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt sorry for... I felt a bit sorry for him. And the clip's gone viral. So this is in his post-match press conference. Somebody asked a question about Malang Sarr and uh, who was it? Was it Jamie Cumming or some, some other academy player? Jamie, yeah. I mean, it was it was a very... <laughs> I think Pochi's, um he's got a very good command of the language, but I still think there's an element of even the sort of other questions. He, he can be a little bit, sorry, what, what what was that? And I think it was quite random 
Pat, you know, he's in his mind. I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, but I think when when you're thinking Chelsea Luton, Chelsea Luton, and someone throws in Malang Sar and Jamie Cummings, and he probably hasn't seen him. To be fair, he's, he's been off in the bomb squad. Might not even be good enough for the bomb squad, to be honest. I, I know Strasbourg were were keen, but his salary is is silly and and is way beyond their budget, and and that's again a legacy of the. The previous ownership who who paid people question the money that's been paid by the current owners, but the previous ownership certainly knew how to throw money away as well. All right, so we won't see Saar against Wimbledon. I guess from the under twenty one, Zach Sturge might have a chance of of making the squad at least. And Ronnie Stutter, striker, he's already scored five goals in three games for the twenty ones. We should also, I guess, take into consideration the fact that Mark Robinson, the under twenty ones coach. Is the former AFC Wimbledon manager. So you think Maurizio Pochettino might be leading on him uh, in terms of scouting a little bit. We shall see. We'll run through what happens uh, in that game on Thursday. Wimbledon, by the way, having a great start to the season. Unbeaten so far in League Two. They knocked out Coventry of the Championship in the previous round. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, mentioned the under-21s. They slipped to a second successive 3-2 defeat on Friday night, beaten at Norwich. Uh, that despite another goal for the aforementioned Ronnie Stutter. Uh, Jimmy J. Morgan also scored for the Blues. They go to MK Dons in the Football League trophy in the week. So maybe that will impact on who features in the game against Wimbledon. We'll have to wait and see on that. Meanwhile, the under-18s and a thumping 5-1 win at Aston Villa. Atto Amper got a hat-trick in that one. And as Simon mentioned, Harvey Vale scored his first pro goal. It came in defeat, though, as Bristol Rovers went down to Wickham. Okay, that's just about going to do us for today. Simon, we've we've plugged your Raheem Sterling piece. Do you want to give it another push or anything else you're working on? Yeah, read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't think there's anything else to plug, apart from like if you want to keep reading about Casado and Lavia, the, the piece I did um, put together with a few other colleagues uh, last week. There are a few other things I'm working on. I'm just not sure what the timing of, of these pieces will be. But, of course... Our week, I'm sort of speaking for Liam here a little bit, but our week is is going to be perhaps a little bit reactionary. We like to be proactive, but I think on transfer deadline week, that tends to be the, the main focus. I will be at the AFC Wimbledon game. I'm not sure it's being broadcast. So I'll actually be able to inform people what's going on for a change, more so than I usually do. So I'll try and uh, do lots of hilarious tweets. You'll have to file a live blog in our WhatsApp channel just to keep me updated as <laughs> yeah. to what's happening. Yeah, I'll be I'll be talking about Malang Saar. And we didn't even uh, joke about the fact that Romelu Lukaku could get like a, a nice farewell game playing up front <laughs> and, and get applauded off. All four stands, emotional scenes, tears, the works. It's the badge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which one? Uh, whatever happens, it's going to be a great night for AFC Wimbledon because I assume it's a sellout. I, ha- I haven't asked, but they'll be getting 45% of the gate receipts. And for a club like AFC Wimbledon, that is obviously gold dust. So, yeah, there'll be, uh, who knows? That's the thing about, that's why I love the League Cup, actually, um, and the FA Cup, is that it gives, without being remotely patronising, it, it does give clubs lower down the league some some vital revenue and we all know how tough um it is for for clubs lower down the pyramid to uh to keep their accounts in good shape so 
yeah, nice little, uh, nice little Brucey bonus for AFC Wimbledon. Well, if that game is not on television, then you can listen to it via the official Chelsea app and website. There you go. There's a plug for my other employers. Uh, Liam, so it's transfer business all the way for you then, is it, between now and Friday? Yeah, I'm going to have loads of slots booked in our Scout calendar, just in case Chelsea signs someone that I have to look at. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just plug something I've already got up on the site. My match piece from the Luton game was about Nicholas Jackson. I thought even on not his best day, showed a lot of the things that have Chelsea fans and Mauricio Pochettino so excited about him. So feel free to check that out if you haven't already. And uh, I also paired up with Tom Bogart, one of our US writers, to do a bit of a profile on Georgi Petrovic, which is what I spoke to Kevin Hitchcock about. So that's quite a good little introduction to his rapid journey to Chelsea. Nice. If you are not currently a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up for just £1.99 a month for 12 months. If you want to support us for free, the best way you can do that is to give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Maybe leave some nice words too if you think we're worth it. It helps push us up the charts and that will allow more Chelsea fans to find out about the pod. Remember, we are at SO Cobham Pod on Twitter too. If you'd like to get in touch with us there, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll reflect on that Wimbledon game. We'll look ahead to the Forest match and talk transfers and plenty more besides too. I'm sure join us for that if you can. But for now though, it's goodbye. The Athletic.